Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 438 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? It's going to be a long night, Todd. I got a feeling. You got a feeling? Yes. Deep inside? Yes, I was going to start singing, but we're not the rock band uh, podcast here. No, we do know musicians, but we're not the musical podcast. I could think of at least four that I know. Well, are they in the jug band? No, just the one is. Okay. Uh, so... Would we like to just get right to it, or would we like to goof around a little more, Joe? Well, no, you know, we have to do the whole, like, uh, intro, like, we're going to hit, like, this and this and this. Like, it's an I actual, know, I, real podcast. I know, like, occasionally we have a, a script and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this episode, we have, can you believe it? Cancellations and delays, Joe. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, also, uh, f- superhero uh, figure mashups that one of us really likes. Mm-hmm. And also wild theories. Um, we'll we'll get to that. I don't even know if Joe's ready for what I'm going to drop here. But uh, also we have con news, free digital books and sales, what we read last week, which was the new uh, Wonder Comics book, uh, The Wonder Twins, and also Gunning for Hits number two, El Dos. Correct. Um, correct. What we're looking forward to this week and at the end, we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of Flash, which I believe is the last episode of Flash for a little bit. Okay, so there was not an episode yesterday? Right. Okay. I think, right, right, because I wasn't sure when we had discussed this. Uh, right, right, so they're just off t- for two weeks. Right. Okay. Till the 15th or the 5th or something of March. I think March. the 5th. Right. Hey, good for them taking a break during sweeps. I don't know. I don't know. I don't run TV. You know what I mean? Well, if anybody's going to sweep, it's going to be the Flash, and they don't want to do that. Right. So let's get into the news, and let's kind of start at the uh, thing that's not a follow-up from the last several weeks, uh, and that this past weekend was Toy Fair in New York, where we got to see a lot of the new and exciting things coming out uh, for all your favorite collectible lines from everything to everything else in between. Uh, and I was conversing with some folks about this, and I re- and I must have had the link to this story sent to me by no less than five people. It's almost as though I'm known for liking comic books and or wrestling, and if there was only a way to match those two things up. Ooh. And if you could add MASH, like Hawkeye and Colonel Potter, too, that would be great. Right. Uh, but DC is doing a line of Lucha Libre-inspired DC superheroes, uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and then it's uh, Cheetah, Deathstroke, and Metallo. And I'll be honest with you, just looking at the picture, I thought the Metallo was like some sort of like off-brand Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, all right, fair enough. Uh, I really like the figures. They look really super cool. However... I don't know if you saw that they were uh, announced in the latest DC solicitations. Right. Uh, and this further uh, backs up my statement that I'd made over the weekend. 
Did you know toys are expensive now, Todd? Oh, my God. I, we could do a whole show on what toys are <laughs> and how ridiculous they are. That's why Funko Pops are so popular. Did you did, – uh, so being that you did not look to see um, that these were in the previews, how much are these figures each? $29? $35. Okay. I knew it was in the $30 ballpark. Oh, boy. That's a lot of money. How many are you getting, Joe? Uh – the joke is to say two, but <laughs> I really like that Deathstroke figure. I think that is a super cool figure. I like the Superman a lot. The Batman's pretty neat. Um, you know, the, the Metallos, I don't know, kind of junky, but that's not for me. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's a lot of money be sent, spending on uh, something for me, you know? Right. Uh, I'm going to set the over-under at how many figures Joe's going to get at two. At two? Yeah, one is the under, three is the over. Okay. You can't do a push on, on the over-under. I do have something. This would be something to scratch that figure itch that I have. Oh. In, in addition to the other thing that I have <laughs> to do. But that's like a joke for like two people, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's it in the news, Todd. Nothing else. Moving on, right? All right, we can just move on. <laughs> Ugh. I think we're going to mention something that's just like clockwork, Joe. Okay. Or, or should we say just like doomsday clockwork? Okay, so this is going to kind of be all over the place because there's been a lot going on over the last seven days at DC, and it all involves books being late and books being canceled. And it's not just <laughs> the typical things that we talk about here, which we will get into, of course, with trades and collections and things like that being canceled. Um, again, it would not be an episode of this show, and it would not be a Wednesday that has come past where Doomsday Clock number nine is late yet again. Uh, it is now slipping to March. This is now the one, two, three, four, five, sixth time the book has been delayed. Now, as of this recording, it is still on the Diamond shortlist to ship for next week, which would be that first week of March. Whether or not it act, or no, I'm sorry, not the first week of March. It's um, it's still on the Diamond shortlist to ship for that last week in February. They haven't reflected it to ship the following week yet. Mm-hmm. But in the new solicitations, they've solicited issue 11 to be coming out in May. Right, which it should should hit perfectly in May. It should <laughs> if. It's a bi-monthly book, and issue 9 is coming out in March, and then I guess issue 10 is coming out in April, and this is coming out in May. All right. Um, so I, I still don't know what's going on with that book. I know we talked last week where Gary Frank said that it's a more complex book uh, than he had ever drawn in the past. Uh, but another book that is getting delayed is the infamous Batman Damned. Uh, right, Batman, the third issue. Right, the third issue. Batman Damned 1 was the infamous one where you could see the crux of Batman's uh, Wee Willie Wilson from Florida in it. And then uh, issue 2 was delayed. And then just this past week, uh, DC canceled the solicitations for 3, which was supposed to come out in March. Now they've pushed the solicitation on that back to May. And it's only a three-issue miniseries. It's taking a long time to come out. Right. Um, so, I don't know, are we, okay, so, um, 
now to get into some of the cancellations, this is the typical sort of thing. Um, as another week has come by, more collections, trades, Omnibuy, and so forth are canceled by DC. Uh, there was an absolute day tripper. There was an absolute uh, Teen Titan or Teen Titans Omnibus that was canceled. Now the absolute swamp thing that was canceled just got resolicited in this upcoming previews. Now, did it or didn't it? Because it's in there. Is it a resolicitation? Resolicitation? Are we sure, or is it just something that they put in there for like final order cutoffs, and they didn't have a chance to cancel it? Be- because the, the, the previews are printed up. Do you know what I'm saying? Let me look. If that makes any sense to what I'm trying to ask you. It is. Because typically when the hardcovers and stuff, uh, absolutes, hardcovers, trades, etc., when they're in what would be the May solicitations, they're always for at least a month or so later. Right. Typically. So let's see. Um... Okay, so it is a re- resolicitation because one that was canceled had a in-store date of June 26th. This mm-hmm. one that's in the May, in the March previews has an in-store date of October 16th. Okay. And it's the same specs, it's the same cover, you know, it's the same 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 everything. It's just a resolicitation. Now, the other stuff wasn't resolicited uh that we had mentioned either here with the day tripper thing the Teen Titans, whatever it is. I'm um, just trying to look here. Let me see. How many other resolicitations are there in this previews? Right. I've just so that. Much- just, like, they don't have uh, the resolicitation designation on Dam number three or Doomsday Clock number 11. Right. Which they should because they were canceled and resolicited. But maybe they didn't have time to, like, I don't know. With that, that's all crazy. Hang on, let me see. Because sometimes they do things just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Nope, they do have, my apologies, Damned is listed as a resolicitation. I thought so, because I remember Matt telling me that at the store, that that it was canceled and resolicited. Yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, so at least some of the things are being resolicited. Uh, I know also in this May, uh, this March uh, previews for DC, there's a new printing of Batman Year One in there. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, another thing that got canceled is the collection of the Looney Tunes stuff. Right. Uh, the first Looney Tunes thing included the uh, big smash hit, the Batman Elmer Fudd thing, written by Tom King. What they did was all those little one-shots got collected in one big trade. When they did those things the second time, they were going to do the collection of those. That collection got canceled. Right. So this is the second half of that collection? Yes. Okay. Boy, I know how much you love when they do that. Well, uh, before we get into the other big cancellation, which is canceled for a different reason, but maybe a similar reason. What are your thoughts on all this, Todd? All right. And I'm going to weave the, the last book into it at some point. Right. Uh, that we have to talk about. What I think is, we talked about many things. We talked about Doomsday Clock and we talked about Batman Damned. And I think this all started with Batman Damned. The whole, like, you know, uh, the, 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 him being naked in the book or whatever. And that, sh- 
brought a firestorm of press and this and that. And they pulled the book and they weren't, they were going to edit it and they're not and everything. And I think heads, I think with everything that's changing at DC right now started right there, right there was like, we can't do this. We can't have the thing that's on lunchboxes and cartoons, uh, having press like this, that there's nudity and, and blah, blah, blah. And there's reasons for that. And we come down, I think the same thing was with the Looney Tunes. It, it was, uh, more adult. And that's Warner Brothers once again. They're like, we don't, we don't want any of that. Let's get rid of it. And I think that's where Doomsday Clock rolls into all this is that the upper ups were like, Hey, you have another book out there with Superman and Batman. With, with, uh, a naked person. Dr. Manhattan, they had the, the issue already where he shows up and he's completely naked and you could see it better than you could see the thing in Batman Damned. Now, I think that's why more or less Doomsday Clock keeps getting pushed back is that now editorials all over everything. We don't let anything slide by. I want to see every page, every panel, everything. Go back and redraw everything and or put stats or whatever, change uh, doomsday clock. So I think Gary Frank not only has to draw the new issues, he's got to fix old issues. Um, I think a lot of this has to do with uh, DC being in... Walmart now with the Walmart books, there's rumors that their DC is going to be cutting the line wide stuff back to a certain amount of books and they're expanding, uh, these issues like Batman, Superman. There's a flash book now, the Swamp Thing book at Walmart where they have a deal with Walmart and Walmart's like, whoa, 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 you can't have, you can't promote these books in our Christian, uh, store which the only times they're ever closed are Christmas and Easter. You can have naked Batman and you can't have these other books and stuff like that. If you want to be, if you want to have this business together, I think it's just a giant snowball of things and business. And it all has to do with like the nudity that was in Batman Dam. And it just all rolled downhill. No more adult laden things. And I think this is going to affect the black label all around. I, I don't know. It just seems to all, Come to oh. me with now. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, no, no. I'm, so I'm wound up. No, no, no. I get you, but so I get where you're coming from. Where you have these multimedia properties having things with a little bit more of an adult slant, and of course they're going to kind of le- they're going to pull back on a little bit of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I get you there, okay. Um, but this stuff already exists. Um, you know the the Looney Tunes stuff. Obviously, they're not going to be doing any more to cancel a trade. The single issues out there, the first issues out there, maybe they're not going to print anymore. Obviously, you know, once they're done, they're done. We talked a couple of weeks ago that they were stopping doing the Hanna-Barbera stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, and again, comics related, not really, but Warner Brothers related, they just announced uh, that they're going to do a horror movie based on the banana splits. Right. Now again, that's a kid's property from a cartoon, and they're going to make it into what would one assume one would assume an R-rated horror movie. Well, I hadn't heard that. Okay, that, like that's li- literally that came across the presses hours ago. Like you mm-hmm. know, and it's movie horror movie stuff, and that's more you know the, the 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 things that I dip my toes into as opposed to comic book stuff. I get what you're saying there, but Watchmen already exists as a thing. 
but Watchmen didn't exist with Batman and Superman in it. Touche. Now it does, and they're like, no, no, no. And on top of that, Walmart is doing, they just got the rights to exclusive four-inch Batman black and white statues that are like these blind boxes. And uh, I think they're like, well, these. this is something that we're pushing in our store. We don't ever want to see headlines like this again with these characters. And I think that's all affecting everything. I really do. So as long as it doesn't have a character who's in a cartoon or a movie, DC's okay, for the most part, to have as much nudity and swearing and violence as they want. I don't know, because I do believe some of this has to do with them canceling the next book that we're going to talk about. I think they want to keep their noses clean. I think they think of comic books as something for kids, and you can't do any of this stuff. If that, if I'm making any sense. Right. So the other story that Todd's uh, alluding to here is, uh, you know, earlier in the year we had discussed that Vertigo was going to have this whole big resurgence. We're going to roll out all these books. And one of the books that was on the slate was a book called Second Coming, which essentially is what if Superman or a Superman analog uh, teams up with Jesus. Right. They rent an apartment together. Right. And hijinks ensue, right? Exactly. Uh, written by Mark Russell, who is writing the Lone Ranger book, who wrote Red Sonia. A couple of things that we've uh, talked about on the show here in recent weeks uh, with art by Richard Pace. And it was just announced over the weekend, actually it was like right after the show came out, that the book was being canceled. Um, it got people riled up over at Fox News. It got uh, Christian conservative sites riled up. And... Mark Russell put out a tweet Wednesday evening saying that the cancellation, uh, Vertigo DC canceled Second Coming. Just so you know, DC did not do anything untoward to me. I've asked for the rights back and they gracefully agreed. They've been a pleasure to work with and I, and it will still be released, albeit with a different publisher. Um, and then he had said, Mark, you know, a bunch of people are responding to him, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, the cool thing is this way, we don't have to change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also then says, I want to thank everyone at Vertigo who's gotten it to the point uh, where it's as good as it is. Speci- specifically want to mention, uh, thank Molly, Maggie, and Mark for all their support hard work. Wherever this ends up coming out, know that this is still your book. So rumor and speculation came out that what they were more upset about was, as that one tweet there says, and we don't have to change anything. Mm-hmm. That there was nudity stuff that was in this book. That DC and Vertigo, and obviously based on these other things, were a little leery about. And I don't think they would have been as leery about it is if the lead character in the book, it's not Superman, but it's sure supposed to be Superman. Right. And if you're a momer, it's Sun Man is the name of the character. And if you're just looking... And you want to be upset for a reason, and you see, you know, a very close representation of what we're led to believe Jesus looks like next to a very close representation of what we're led to believe Superman is supposed to look like, and you want to be upset, it it exists there for you. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you pick up that book, and there's nudity inside the book. Now you're just hitting every um, outrage, like every square in the outrage bingo card that exists. Pretty much. 
So, is this the end of Vertigo? I think it is. It's the end of Vertigo in everything but name, if that makes any sense. We will put out Vertigo books. Like, as much as I love books of, like, loved books of magic and I'm reading The Dreaming, The Dreaming's a little bit better, but The Books of Magic, as I'm reading it, is so bland and, like, not cutting edge, like, the way, like, Vertigo was all those years ago. It's, like, literally, you could slide books of magic into an everyday superhero book and be like, all right, this is young Dr. Strange and he's, you know, studying magic. There's nothing there that's offensive and anything where dream, the dreaming is a, has probably because Neil Gaiman, you know, has some say in it. I would guess it, it it's, it's got some teeth to it, but I don't think you're going to see any of that ever again. I, you're not going to see a preacher ever again. You're not going to see it like a transmetropolitan. You're not like, that's all done. I think this is killed what vertigo was. And if anybody has any ideas of having something like that, they're just going to take it to image. Like, why would you go to vertigo? If, if, if this news is out there. Okay. And this is, as bad as an analogy as I can give on a comic book show, but maybe some wrestling people would get this on the indie level. It's the same reason that someone will still go to CZW. CZW hasn't been the hot thing of what it used to be in conservatively 11 years, but there are people who will still go and take those CZW bookings just to say, I worked in CZW. There'll, there'll be people who will still take their book. And obviously, you know, situations like this with Second Coming, the more things like this that happen, the less and less that's going to happen. But there are people who are getting involved in comic books partially because they read Vertigo books. And one of their goals in their life at some point was, I want to have a book published through Vertigo. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't, uh, you know, say anything to your wrestling analogy. Sure, but sure. Like, my, Somebody my will t- get that. I, and I even get what you're, cause I was gonna say Vertigo is gonna live on its pedigree alone. Cause, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, controversy you're gonna have, they're, they're like, eh, per- preacher sells, Sandman sells, you know, Hellblazer sells, we're not gonna, the, the Alan Moore Swamp thing sells, we're not gonna get rid of that. But we're not gonna do any more. So I, I, I completely get that. But in the end, it's gonna be like, all right, is the pedigree going to be worth not getting the cut of money and owning the rights that you're going to get an image it, it, with all this hassle? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is the pedigree worth it to not completely own your product and not get a biggest cut? I think, like I said, I think it is a perfect storm. People will go there because, like, if I like if I had some project – you know, that I was writing, I would want it to be at Vertigo. I, I completely get you. But at just this story alone, the second coming story, I'm like, I'm out, man. I just, it's not, it's not conducive. You, you just know that you're going to be edited to within an inch of your life at some point. Right. And, and of course you say image, but you know, there's dozens and dozens of other publishers uh, out there that they could take it to self-publish whatever it is right exactly. what i mean when it comes to image is image is to me what vertigo was all those years ago right so but go ahead Sorry. so i, I want to bring this up as well you know it was in my mind and you mentioned it of course 
your preachers, your sandmans, your swamp things, right? Arguably the big three uh, at Vertigo, right? I agree. Okay. So we're not going to see a lot more new stuff coming out of Vertigo, or if we are, it's not going to be as much as it once was or even what was promised, you know, 12 months ago with this big rollout, right, for the anniversary. Right. So one of the Walmart books that we just saw was a Swamp Thing book. There's a Swamp Thing TV show. Granted, it's coming to DC's streaming service, but it's a TV show nonetheless. And Swamp Thing already has a comic book on the shelves at Walmart. Are they going to pare back the, I guess, the front face, the public face of that Alan Moore book? Because they're swearing, there's nudity, and there's superheroes in that book. Batman's in it, Superman's in it, all sorts of people are in it. Now, I don't think any of those stories will be reprinted in that that book. Well, I don't think they're going to be reprinted in that book, but we've already seen a absolute of those books canceled and resolicited. Who's to say it won't be canceled and resolicited or canceled altogether again? See, now I do want to say going back to those Alan Moore Swamp things, I'd have to go. Th- I don't remember them cursing in that book. Where, where it was over the top, maybe a few, but I don't, I know, I don't remember any F-bombs. Right, no, no, okay, so nothing like that, but there certainly was nudity. Was there nudity in those Swamp Thing books, or was there implied nudity? There was certainly adult themes. Adult themes, yes. But where's the line now? I get what you're saying, but I look back at what those... Those, those swamp things were, and like I said, I'd have to reread them. There was horror. Now, don't forget, we live in a, we live in a day and age that, oh my God, talk about sex or have nudity and everybody shuts it down, but beheadings and, you know, zombies ripping people's throats out, that's fine. Violence is fine. But, but, but sex, nudity, and, uh, especially some places like the second coming, it, tinker with religion, and you're done. I'd really like to go over those. Uh, swamp things and see if a lot of it wasn't like Abigail standing there naked, but with her hair covering her chest like that. That's the way I remember it. A lot of shadows, a lot, a lot of cross hatching, covering stuff. But now, as you mentioned I, that, I, I also want to say um, that same Walmart that may have issues about this, um, you know, Batman being in a book where you see part of his penis, I can go there and buy the box set collection of the American Pie films. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's nudity in those. There's sexual situations in those. Movies are okay, but comic books are not, I guess. Well, let me ask you this question. Are American Pie movies sold next to the Pokemon cards and pop figures? Touche. They are not. You know, like you go, you go right. Ah, they're not sold next to the Pokemon cards, but they all are sold next to the Pokemon and Super Mario Brother video games. That's, I, and I get what you're saying, Joe, and I get what you're saying, but I look at it as here is when you go to Walmart and it's time for you to go find those comics, that's in the kids section. It's a little section of all like stuff that that's where you're supposed to take your kid. And I think there is a, a, 
a mindset in that you can have you can have swamp thing he's a monster you can have horror and you can have sexual situations now i don't like i said i don't think they're going to be in those reprints sandman's different crime is whatever you put a cape on somebody and it's got to be wholesome and you know it that's just for kids i don't know there's like a mindset when it comes to that mm-hmm. and that's that's the way i think they look at it is th- this stuff this stuff is to be marketed towards kids and that's w- where our bread and butter is adults will still buy it but if you taint it with some adult themes we may lose sales the adults will buy it but they might not buy it for their kids if we if we tinker with it too much gotcha like we want all the sales not just most of the sales I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making sense what I'm trying to say. No, it, it's definitely going to be very interesting to see what happens. Of course, we haven't talked about it because it's a lot of rumors, of course. But there's been a lot of speculation over the last week or two in regards to bigger shakeups happening at DC. And obviously, yes. Well, I'm sorry? I said yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. So with that being said, and again, it's just rumors right now. Nothing's been substantiated. Uh, Dan DiDio made a convention appearance this past weekend and was even asked on his public Facebook page about these things, and he denied them. But again, I think we'll know by the end of this week to discuss next week if something is going on uh, at DC, what it is, if anything, and then if something is, we could obviously see these sort of parallels because I know you had mentioned about uh, Walmart. They're trying to get in Target. They're trying to get in a lot more of these big box stores with their product, whether it be the exclusive Primal Rage stuff, whether it be the 100 page giants or even those like those little four inch blind box deals, if that's the push that DC is trying to make because of the success that they had with the 100 page giants, and you know, obviously they have because they've expanded the line to include more and more characters and more and more books on a, on a monthly and weekly basis. I and, even hear, um, I've heard through the grapevine, they want to extend the original content content in those hundred page books that they want to get more pages of new material in those in the the walmart books right so and you know we jokingly say all the time when did comics become a business well it's it sounds like it's becoming more of a business it definitely is as far as i'm concerned and i don't want to harp on it this was kind of what and i never get my 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 thoughts out perfectly because it gets all jumbled up in there kind of remember when i was saying like back in the day when walmart announced this that they were gonna do it and i was like this could be bad in certain ways i think we're starting to get into the bad a little bit where it may end up hurting our local retailers and where it's like do i really want a future maybe possibly i know we're all speculating here where i have to get my new comics from walmart like I, I dread that ever happening. I don't know. It's it's crazy. I I hope by next week we'll we'll have some more news. I'm a gloom and doom kind of guy, so but this is a positive podcast. Well, you know, and listen, we gotta talk about these things. It's what's in the news. Now I will say this, uh that second coming book I was kinda eh about, but you know, this story coupled with the stuff from Mark Russell that I've read recently that I've really enjoyed there's a book I'm going to get now when it comes out. I'm going to have my feelers out for when this book comes out from whatever publisher it comes out from, and I'm definitely going to check this out. Well, let me just say about the second coming book, and I think I might even have said this to you in, your, in my email. This is the thing that I am most saddened about. 
I was really looking forward to this. I love, I read and loved his Lone Ranger. I read and loved his Red Sonia. Uh, I read his Wonder Twins. Did I like it or not? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but this was the book to me that of everything they talked about, like Hex Wives and the other books that that were, that was coming out. This was the one to me that screamed what Vertigo stood for back in the day. Edgy. And I don't, not just edgy for the sake of being edgy, like interesting ideas. And I was like, this was an interesting idea. It kind of like, you know, laughed in the face of certain, you know, conventions, but it looked like it was interesting. And then they just cancel it. And I'm like, I was going to be all over this and I'm all over it now. But this is this, this legitimately had me sad when they announced that they, that they were canceling it. But then like literally like within 15 minutes of them canceling it, the Mark Russell was like, Oh, they gave me the rights back, which shocked me, shocked me that he didn't have to jump through any hoops that it happened literally that fast. So good for them. And I actually think this is going to make that book more popular and make him more money in the long run. So good for him. Now, and, and to further add to your conspiracy theorying, and we could do this all night, literally right. all night. So one would assume that DC Vertigo gave the rights back uh, to Mark Russell on this property, this idea, this comic, whatever, with no hassle because the slightest bit of hassle means the longer the story stays in the headlines. Exactly. And if it gets published, it's not with us. We dropped it like a hot potato. Well, and not only that is this is a book that you were most most definitely looking forward to. This is a book that I was yeah in the fence about, but I'm definitely going to check out now. And I'm sure a lot of other people are just kind of support what this story is, and that's great. On a finance side, I'm sure Mark Russell is going to make a lot more money uh, than this way than he would have if it was published through Vertigo and it sold what it was going to sell at Vertigo without this little bit of a bump here. And is DC going to miss that money, or are they just going to put one more Batman book out of the shelves at Walmart and kind of split the difference? They don't care, right? It's it, and I've and I've even said this when it comes to the comics, as much as they are, they are uh, a division to sell toys and research and development for movies. Comics are like so far down on their list of of what they make money off of. It's just like, hey, these are all possible stories for future cartoons and movies. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this before as well, whether it be a TV show or a movie or a, or a cartoon or whatever it is. And they're like, well, what is this? They could just hand them a little 22-page pamphlet and say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's a prepackaged storyboard with dialogue. Yep. So we're beginning into an interesting time in the world of comics, my friend. It is. Some of us old fogies, I don't know if we're going to survive, Joe. Well, we're going to have to figure out or uh, maybe subscribe to print editions to have them sent to our house. Oh, hopefully I miss the days of having them mailed right to your door and folded up like an origami in your mailbox. <laughs> I actually just had to inform people the other day who were aghast that Mad Magazine is still being printed. Did they know it was renumbered, though? No. Oh, that was one of the sadder days in my life was when, uh, not Saturday, but a sadder day yes. was when they renumbered Mad Magazine. I was like, is nothing sacred, Joe? The The reason that I know is because I had a subscription of that as a, uh, a child. I say a child, like eight to... 
15 or something. Mm. And those would come, those would always come in good condition. Well, they, they knew what was going to be worth money. Exactly. Because they knew you were going to fold them up for the, the things on the back page anyway. So <laughs> they're like, well, you know what? We won't ruin it. We'll let you ruin it. No, I would never, you know what? Actually, I would never fold them in. Every one, every one I got, I folded in. What I would do is if I got the issue before I saw it on the newsstand, because a lot of times, and when you subscribe to something, um, the stores get them on a Sunday and they typically put them out on a Tuesday, or like a print item. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a store would get them on a Sunday and just put them out because right. they don't know, they don't care, or whoever's working that day for, didn't get the memo, right? <laughs> right. So sometimes your magazine, your comic book back in the day would be out days before it was supposed to be out because whoever was in charge of the newsstand, magazine store, convenient mark just didn't know any better. And every once in a while, uh, they would be out. But I, what I'm saying is if I got the – and sometimes when you subscribe to stuff, you would get the subscription early depending on how quick your mail was running that week. Right. You know, it wasn't supposed to be out until like that Tuesday – the stores get them on t- Sunday. You might get your copy in the mail like the Friday or Saturday beforehand. If I got it before it was out of the newsstand, I would take a piece of paper and put it in the middle of the part that you would fold in mm-hmm. and look at the image that way. Ooh. If it was out of the newsstand before I got my copy at home, I would fold the hell out of the one in the newsstand. That's what everybody did, too. Yes. I mean, I didn't get a subscription to Mad Magazine, but I would buy them off the newsstand occasionally. Um, and like I said, if if I didn't buy one, I would be like, oh, this is – and usually they were already folded when you got there. Right. So, you know, Mad Magazine, fantastic. All right. So conventions this weekend, Todd. <laughs> there's a ton. Right. Uh, Wizard World is in Portland uh, this weekend. They've got the uh, – uh, Melissa Benoist and whoever the guy who plays Superman in the Supergirl TV show are, mm-hmm. as well as Jason Momoa, are your guests at Wizard World Portland. Uh, the Great Lakes Comic Con in Warren, Michigan, has a ton of people there. Al Milgram, Bob Layton, Daryl Banks, Kyle Hotz, William Messner Lobes, uh, good old JR, Herm Sassafras himself, <laughs> uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Is that what he would do, his owl impersonation? I think he would. Uh, But also, Carol Spinney is going to be there. Oh, Big Bird. Along with several of the other uh, human actors. We're doing like a big Sesame Street reunion there. I think because last I saw this was, these are Carol Spinney's last hurrahs. Right. Um, So it doesn't say that there, but uh, Bob, Gordon... Alan and Luis are going to be there as well as oh. part of the uh, 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. There's a Mark photo right there. That's right. Uh, also, the amazing Comic-Con in Hawaii is taking place this weekend. A lot of comic guests, not so much of your media guests. Uh, Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, Kevin Eastman, Neil Adams, Marv Wolfman, George Perez, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago here on the show, making one of his final appearances at conventions in 2019. No better way to kick things off with getting a nice all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii. That's right. It's not the fav- my favorite con that he's going to be at this year, but it's one of them. 
It's your favorite comic book convention. <laughs> exactly. Non-S&M convention. That's right. Superman and what does the F stand for? Uh, Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, no, it stands for Super and Man. There you go. Super and Man. Right. But the big convention this weekend, actually, Todd, is Pensacon in Pensacola, uh, Florida. Now, granted, there's not a ton of comic book folks there, Mike Grell being the notable person there. But listen to this guest list, Todd. Mm-hmm. Peter Davidson is going to be there. Ooh, the fifth doctor. Mm-hmm. Colin Baker is going to be there. The sixth doctor. William Shatner is going to be there. The Shat? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake the Snake Robert. Ooh, I wonder if he'll have a bag with him. Mm-hmm, I wonder what's in that bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page is gonna be there. Yoga! Mm-hmm. And world, future World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Famer, not for his wrestling work, but for his work on the Edge and Christian show on the World Wrestling Federation Network, Christian is gonna be there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you have to listen to Add Odds at Wrestling for that one. But... The rest of the guest list, Todd, this is like nerd heaven for me. Kevin Conroy is going to be there. Batman. Jimmy J.J. Dynamite Walker is going to be there. Dynamite! John Glover is going to be there. Which one's John Glover? John is... Is he the father on Smallville? John Glover was Lionel Luther on Smallville. Yeah, right. As well as the Trump analog in Gremlins 2. And he was also the guy who was trying to take Bill Murray's job in Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And he was also uh, Professor Woodrue in Batman and Robin. Ooh, the Tour de Force. That's right. Uh, James Urbaniak is going to be there. And I know people are going to say, I don't know who that is. That's Rusty Venture from the Venture Brothers. If you say so. I do say so. And Jeffrey Combs is going to be there. Was Jeff- he the guy who- what was that? He hosted Family Feud. No, you're thinking of Roy Combs. This is How's he Jeffrey doing? Combs. Which I, one's Jeffrey? I stepped on your joke. Go ahead, Ray Combs. How's he doing? He's not doing well, Todd. <laughs> okay, they, right where they left him? No, well, I don't know where they left him. But that could get too dark, so let's not go down that road. But Jeffrey Combs is Dr. Herbert West from the Reanimator movies. Oh, I think you've told me this before. <laughs> yes! Because I always say Family Feud guy. <laughs> and, it's, almost, it's almost like I beat a joke into the ground. But anyway. And if not, I would be torn. If I could only choose one person to get my Mark photo with, uh, it would be between Jeffrey Combs and John Glover. If their booths were right next to each other, I'd ask to get a two for one. But uh, I don't think the C's are going to be anywhere near the G's. You never know. Yes. And I'm sure I would be the first person ever to ask James Urbaniak to record my outgoing message on my voicemail. Do people still do that? Do you, do you still have outgoing messages on your voicemail? I have one. Oh, you do? Yes, but mine is, I, I have a special person do that. I can't mention who it was. I'll have to call and see who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the links to all of this will be in the show notes, of course, as will information about soon to be named Network. Soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where anytime any of the shows in our little grouping of like minded individuals put out their podcasts, they'll show up over there, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we have the announcement of the next episode of Al's Gals uh, to be coming out, 
Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument. Uh, I mentioned Podvocacy. There will be uh, no Wrestling on the Edge of Forever this week uh, due to illness. However, uh, David did have an extra episode of Everlasting Minute as Chikara and rising wrestling superstar Green Ant told the tale of how he was the seventh kid in the documentary Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but his part of the story was edited out of the documentary that we saw. You oh, know, okay. the documentary Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> That's, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Is that the Johnny Depp one? No. Oh, okay. And then uh, Jason has been on various and sundry uh, Transformer podcasts uh, over the last several weeks, whether it be uh, Transmissions itself, uh, all the other ones with all the new toys that got released over uh, New York uh, Toy Fair weekend. So again, everybody in the network's busy, Todd. Good. I think I should be less busy then. I agree. You should be less busy. Uh, digital digital sales and freebies, a lot of holdovers from the last week or so. Uh, that image, best of 2018, the boom heroines of Boom Studios, uh, Marvel Silver Age, IDW Transformers, Dynamite First, all of that stuff is still on sale. DC is having a Tom King best of sale. Uh, sadly, does not include uh, Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One. Getting <laughs> more and more scarce on that one being uh, out there. Uh, Dynamite has, like I said, no less than three sales going on right now. As I mentioned before, the first issue sale, the Red Sonia sale, as well as the gold key characters, your Turoks, your your Solars, those sort of people. And then Marvel is having a sale on Thor villains. And I know you're going to say to yourself, are there more Thor villains than Loki? And I'll say, I guess if you say so... What? But in saying that, if it's Thor villains that are on sale, that means Thor books are on sale. And hey, whether you want the uh, classic uh, Walt Simonson run or you want the soon-to-be classic Jason Aaron run, all that stuff is on sale. Thor. He has a hammer. Yes, and you can get uh, good gravy. What is it here? I'm doing my gazintas here. 5, 10, 15, 20, 29. It's, uh, I'm doing math live on air, 32. Is it fish math? Uh, you can get 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 trades of Jason Aaron's Thor, which is pretty much the entire run up to this point for 37 bucks. That's a sweet deal. That's a really sweet deal. And hey, if you're leery, if you're, I'm not too sure about how I'm going to like this Thor, the very first th- trade going all the way back to God of Thunder, all the way back to 2013, five oh. years ago, six years ago, whatever it was, is three bucks. And that's a steal at thrice the price. It is. So all the links to all that stuff, of course, is in the show notes. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Okay, you want to start with Wonder Twins? Yes, since okay. that is the book that we are both looking forward to coming out this week. Right. Wonder Twins, uh, written by Mark Russell, the aforementioned Mark Russell, and drawn by Stephen Byrne. 
Um, basically, this is telling the story of Zan and Jaina from the famous, you know, Super Friends cartoon. They've come to Earth for reasons that we're not 100% sure on. Um, and they, they're going to school in a school that seems to be run by the superheroes a little bit because there's like Flash is, you know, part of the track team and, uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting jokes with the classes that they have going on. And we learn a little bit about, um, San and Jaina from the planet Exor where they, you know, have their everyday life, which changes a little bit when it starts to rain or thunder. Um, and they have, they get overtaken by, by the thunder lust. Um, but throughout the story, it's basically them trying to integrate their life into like, you know, everyday human stuff with random things going on with the Justice League. It's basically one story told in chapters or jokes is the best way to put it. And there's some running gags going through it. Um, but in the end, they like, there's the Mixoplex shows up and the Justice League's going off to find them. And like I said, there's a lot of interesting little gags. Um, but in the end, I really loved it. I loved the whole, like, uh, at, we find, uh, Zan is going to be the, the, the hip, cool kid. And it doesn't go the way, way as you plan as high school does. And he gets embarrassed. And then the, uh, grown up superheroes like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman just start telling him stories about how they were embarrassed. And it really humanizes, like, Superman and Batman. And I was like, I really liked it. And the supercomputer from the old cartoons gets, gets a nod. I don't know. This was a fun, light, really great. And by light, I mean not no heaviness or anything like that. Just light story that I enjoyed way more than I ever thought I would enjoy a Wonder Twins book. I really love this book. Like I said, I've loved all of Mark Russell's stuff so far, and this is no exception. I liked the encapsulation that you said of it, how it was like a series of jokes. A series of chapters, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what this certainly felt like. The Wonder Twins kind of have a negative joke connotation aligned to them already. Uh, Jason Mimosa made Aquaman cool, so you really can't, in popular culture, rag on Aquaman too much. And right. it took a long time to get him there, and after a lot of people trying for a very long time to make Aquaman cool, it mm-hmm. took, what, since... Peter David wrote the book in 1992 up to now. Right. Right. So who do we have left that we could really rag on in the, in the world of uh, superheroes? The Wonder Twins. And this essentially is Mark Russell kind of leaning into that. In that, yes, it's being taken, they are being taken seriously, but there's so much comedic elements going on to it. I know, Todd, you had mentioned the Thunderlust, which is mm-hmm. an analog, I guess, for them reaching puberty in their race. Yes. But it's you have your through line in this issue of them trying to fit into normal society, a bunch of gags and a bunch of things, and how the end kind of wraps up. And I don't want to spoil too much about the book, but how there's this huge problem that the Justice League is having this huge difficulty with. And Jaina essentially fixes the problem by actually acknowledging the supercomputer at the Hall of Justice. Right. Which nobody else did or has done in quite some time. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think this book is going to be used 
uh, by Mark Russell to kind of take a lot of those tropes that we have in our head, whether it be about characters like the Wonder Twins or just superhero tropes in general, and turn them on their head. Just look at them from a different way. Like, you have the whole thing of how Zan's big plan is he's going to uh, join the ice hockey team, and he's going to do this, and he's even got what his cool nickname's going to be planned out to be. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't go quite as planned. Right. My favorite joke in all this, and I'm going to give one joke away, is why the, the, the Hall of Justice was created. And he's like, well, we created the Hall of Justice to act as sort of a dispatch center for superpowered heroes. So we don't all respond to the same crime if we don't have to. And there's like a guy who just a, did a smash and grab at a bank or at a, like a storefront. And like there's Flash, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Hawkman. He just he's just got a mask and holding some jewels. And, and like he's like, come on, really? Like, I'm going to fight these? And then they're like, and to ensure that heroes are sent to crisis, they're best suited for. And there's Black Lightning, like, like at the ocean with the giant squid attacking boats. And he's like, you realize I'm an electric electricity-based superhero, right? And you do, by chance, know what happens to electricity when it comes into contact with water. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, what do you have like Aquaman around? <laughs> He's like, and, I, and I'm just like, these gags were making me like laugh out loud. So it's like I said, and it's good to, as we talked about, like cutting edge books to have a humor title. I love a good fun humor title. And that's what this is. Right. And I think the last time that we had any sort of representation of the Wonder Twins in a DC comic was toward the tail end of Jeff John's run on Teen Titans where their dog turned feral and ate them. <laughs> yes. That's right around the time <laughs> that in that Jeff Johns uh, Teen Titans book, they had the Captain Carrot comic going on in the book where Alley Cat Dabra ended up murdering one of the l- murdered little cheese and it turned into like a grim and gritty Captain Carrot comic. And I'm like, Oh man, DC, sometimes you get it so wrong. But then we get it so right with a book like this. Yes, this was definitely a pleasant surprise. Uh, as mentioned, mm-hmm. was very much looking forward to it. It uh, exceeded my expectations, as Todd mentioned, in a sea of whatever DC is putting out. It's nice to have a book like this that's fun and light and doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. Which cover did you get? Uh, whatever one I was given. I think it's just the one with the two of them on it. Uh, the main okay. cover. Right. Okay. I don't. I don't I, get choices of covers anymore. I just get what I get. You just get what you get, and that's it. Okay. I don't. I don't rate it anymore. <laughs> uh, the other book uh, that we're going to discuss from this past week is Gunning for Hits number two. Uh, written by Jeff Rogvi with art by Moritat. We had talked about the first issue of this uh, when it came out, uh, Todd being a Moritat fan, and we both ended up liking this book quite a bit. And uh, here we are, issue two came out, and uh, I really liked where this book is going, continuing. I do too. I, you know, this is after he's pretty much, you know, uh, the main characters signing the, the little band that first appeared first issue and he's trying to get the the big release party to to show everybody and finish dot the i's and cross the t's and then my favorite part of this is we get a new character who's melch who might be 
one of like my new favorite characters of all time who, you know, works in the industry, but he's really messed up. He's like a, uh, a drinking, you know, uh, running around violent guy who booby traps his cigars because he can't figure out any other way to capture the person who's been stealing them. He's over the top. The, the David Bowie S character shows up and he's, uh, really interesting. Once again, most of this story that is taking place, I feel like all of like at least 65% of what's going on in this book actually happened in real life somewhere. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. Right. And the one thing that that's, I feel is good about this. And we talked a little bit before how if anyone has any sort of idea for a book, they can just, instead of taking it to vertigo, they could take it to image or whomever it is. Right. Mm hmm. This definitely feels like the flow, especially of this issue, felt like this was a Vertigo book. Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, you had mentioned before about the character Melch, uh, who is our lead character, Martin's uh, uh, accountant. Right. And that whole scene where he talks about his cigars and, as you mentioned, the rat trap and everything else like that, that felt so out of place in this book because this book isn't about this character, but we, this was the quickest way that we can get to know everything about this character, and we never need to have what this character's uh, motivations are, what this character's likes and dislikes are. Those four pages to tell that story is all they'll ever need to spend on that character's backstory, mm -hmm. whether this is a six-issue miniseries or it goes 100 issues. Right. There's your encapsulation of who that character is. And it was done so perfectly, I thought. You know, we talked before that this was a guy who's never written stuff before. He was an, you know, he was a music producer, just like the lead character in this book. Um, you know, I like the stuff where uh, they're really going a little bit heavier on, like, yes, we know this is supposed to be David Bowie. And they do, like, that splash page where it's like, here's all of Bowie's different looks and styles and everything else through the years. Right. The and, gimmicks that he had over the time. Right. And, and, then, and then we even get the Iman analog as well. Right. Uh, and then we get, like, more stuff from Martin's past coming in with who the Bowie analog's bodyguard is. But this is a book that, again, I was not on my radar in the slightest... You mentioned it to me that you want to talk about it in the book, and I'm loving this book. I, I recommend it to tons of people to check out. Did you read the back of it at all yes, again? Yes, I did. Where now, and I love the idea of, he's like, how hard it is to translate music in comics, so he has the effects for good and bad music now. Right, where the, Which, I, I forget what the good is. The good is just like regular wavy lines, but the bad goes. is the deflated banana. Yes, which is kind of like the like a, a heart machine, like boop boop, like but really low. And I'm like, well, you know what? Now I've read that, I completely understand it, and I get, you know, like it just seems like this book is firing on all cylinders of what's really good. So I can't recommend this enough. Um, I've already pawned it on a couple of people. The summer you, our good buddy DJ, a, a bunch of other people recommend pick this up. It's a fun little, you know, if you're into music, especially. This is a blast. Right. Uh, like I said, if you're into music, you're into David Bowie, you're into, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think especially if you're a Bowie fan. Like, I don't read uh, the Kieran Gillen book, Wicked and Div Divine, but 
that I think is a little bit more heavy on the theory and the art of music, where mm-hmm. this is more on the business of music. Right. And it's funny because like you say, it's even better if you're a, a Bowie fan. I've never been a, I've never liked Bowie's music. I never really listened to a lot of it, but I was never a Bowie fan and I don't care. I'm like, I am all over this book. Like I, it, almost like if I can learn Bowie stories through this, I'd be a happy man. There you go. So, all right. So that covers what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, know what's coming out, be forewarned, be forearmed. Go to the store with enough money in your pocket, your Venmo, your Bitcoin account, however it is that you pay for your comic books, and, uh, you know, be prepared. So what Todd and I are doing here this year is, as we always do, attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead with two correct guesses over me. Let's see if we could change things this week. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at your list, and this is the book you're looking forward to most, Guardians of the Galaxy number two? It is Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I would say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out uh, is Lone Ranger number five. It is. It is the final issue of Lone Ranger. It was supposed to be an ongoing, but this turned out to be the end of the miniseries. Hopefully, uh, Mark Russell will do more. Um, But uh, as it is, this ends the five-part story. Right. You tipped your hand a little bit, of course, talking about how how, uh, you were sad to see this book go, so... Yes. Yay. And, you you know, there are people who ask me privately what my book is when the poll post goes out. So even if I lie just to kind of get one over on you, they'll keep me honest. Oh, good. Nobody's in line to keep me honest. That's right. I'm a rogue agent. I can go wherever I want. You're the most dishonest man in all of podcasting, and that covers quite a bit of ground. That is true. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the past stuff that we've done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, everything that Todd and I have ever done, uh, exists over there, as well as assorted episodes of At Odds with Wrestling. I would assume this week Adam and I are going to be talking about the Elimination Chamber, uh, what the future holds for young Kofi Kingston, and all the random NXT call-ups that happened over the last uh, 48 hours. Do you know who the first person was eliminated when it come to wrestling this weekend? You? Yes, it was. Mm. I'm out. <laughs> so uh also you can check out our store where you could purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on it and i don't know maybe in the future that might be the only place you can get those shirts we'll see listen after dark this week for more on that uh but if you don't need any of that or want any of that stuff of course you can purchase anything else to your heart's content through our amazon click through across the top of the page uh does not cost you anything extra. gives us a little bit of a kickback in the back end. They call it an advertising fee. I call it something that makes Todd happy at the end of every month when he gets his cut two months later of whatever, you know, we get through our click-through. And we get quite a bit sometimes. Sometimes we don't. This has been a bunch of stuff was purchased this past week. Uh Someone, I would assume the same person, purchased a Funko Pop of uh Gizmo Duck, uh, something called a Flocked Fwooper. <laughs> And, uh, from the Darkwing Duck universe, Negaduck, which was the, oh, 
negative universe evil Darkwing Duck. Right. All I know is that one thing sounds like something uh, the Grinch would have stolen at Christmas. Right. I, I think it's something from the Fantastic Beasts uh, Harry Potter universe. Okay. Uh, somebody also purchased a Power Rangers Lightning Collection Shadow Ranger action figure, uh, as well as multi-stand clear uh, stands for your action figures and display cases. I didn't see any Detolf Zigglers in there, but maybe that's because uh, you can get them for a nickel at Ikea as opposed to $1,000 through Amazon. That's the one thing. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, somebody also purchased a Hallmark keepsake Christmas ornament of the Star Trek Discovery uh, ship. I don't know if you looked at the picture, it looks like a pizza cutter to me, but, you know, you want to call it an ornament of the uh, Discovery, that's up to you. Black Alert. Oh, I don't know what that means. That's from the show. Hmm. If only we had a show on the network that talked about Star Trek. I think I'm going to start one. Okay. Uh, and then somebody also purchased, and I was a little bit perplexed by the uh, description of this. Uh, it came up as Legend S Baptism XX Spectacular. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. So then I looked into it, and it is a live show <laughs> featuring singer Sue Metal's first triumphant return to her hometown in Hiroshima, from 2017, it is the band Baby Metal. Oh, I've heard of this through, like, Twitter, people talking about right. it. Right, I had not heard of this until I did some digging on this, and the person who purchased it through our click-through checked with me to make sure that it came through. Uh, but yes, it is a Japanese uh, pop group who does, like, baby songs while... You know, metal guitars and drums shred behind them. Sounds delightful. Yes. I attempted to show it to my kid and, well, I don't know. Maybe that's what triggered him today. (laughs) Boy. I don't know. We don't have a show to talk about that sort of stuff anymore. That's been scrubbed from the internet completely. What? Uh, You know, I think you got three more years on the website, though. (laughs) Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? <laughs> no, we didn't have any art attacks this week that I know of. Let me check, but go ahead. You I don't do, think so. You do that. I'm going to see if Dad's Tractions has anything on it. Hmm. Look at us looking at stuff while everybody's... Nope. No, uh, no art attacks from me. For me. For, from me? What we... Anything on Dad Distractions? Nothing? Nope. It claims that you can go to, uh, you know, different podcatchers to listen to episodes. Granted, there mm-hmm. hasn't been an episode in three and a half years. But I think when he scrubbed the site, which doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, let's move on from this. Wrap up the show. Uh, but before we wrap up the show, of course, we have discussion of the most recent episode of The Flash. So if you did not watch this most recent episode of The Flash, uh, or do not want it spoiled for you, we bid you adieu. We'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Episode 438. 
Longbox Heroes. And uh, let's get into the Flash, my man. Sure, let's do that. So there's another situation where I had someone stooge this off to me. I forget who it was. As I had lamented about how my least favorite episode this season was the Flash episode that did not have the Flash in it. That this was another episode that had very little Flash in it. That would be the fancy gentleman who did that. Oh, the fancy gentleman. I need to mute. I need to. I need to alter my muted keywords so less of his tweets come through. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so first of all, everyone's in this episode for the first time in several episodes. All of Team Flash is here at the same time in the same room. Well, I think Justin Grant was getting paid by the minute, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you just call him Justin Grant? Yeah, Grant Justin. What's his name? Grant Gustin. Justin Grant. Justin Grant. Grant. Whatever. <laughs> so uh, they synthesize what is going to be the cure for uh, the folks that have the dark matter uh, for the metahumans, right? Right. But to germinate, to fully come to maturation so they get actually tested, is going to take 29 days. Sherlock Wells gets the idea. What if we take it into the Speed Force and we could help speed that 29 days up to an hour? <gasps> Wait a minute. I, I only wish they said 44 minutes oh, instead of boy. an hour. <laughs> you know, not counting the commercials, of course. Right. Uh, so Barry volunteers to do so. And, and then nothing else of consequence happens after that, right? That's right, because he comes back with it all fermented. That's right. So, but what really happens is... Uh, Nora is left to her own devices, and of course, this is the time where Cicada decides to get the drop on Iris. After Iris invaded his home last week, he invades her home this week. Nora goes to save her because the Iris alert goes off. Mm-hmm. And then when the Iris alert goes off, uh, who's the first one there the first time? Is it Cisco or is it Caitlin the first time? The first time it's just her, isn't it? No, no, because the whole gimmick of it is, she shows up, Cicada throws the dagger, somebody else shows up, and then that other person who shows up is the one who gets the dagger in the back, not Nora. Right, the first time, though, I thought it was, she shows up, Iris gets killed. Okay. And then she's like, alright, I'm gonna go back in time and show up with Caitlyn. And Iris doesn't get killed, Caitlyn gets killed. And that's how it goes. Right, but because the first happened, time... Yeah, she keeps learning from her mistake, trying to fix this from happening, but of course, every time that she does, somebody else gets killed. Right. So while she keeps doing this to turn time back, Cisco keeps having vibe deja vu things, because prior to the Iris alert going off, he's going on a date. And sadly... And the worst idea that anyone does in the show is listen to Ralph for dating advice, and every time it's terrible. And it was one of those things where this part of the show was the part that I liked the least. Mm-hmm. Because Cisco's acting in those scenes when he wasn't being himself were so bad, and I get that they were supposed to be bad because he wasn't being himself. Right. So it was like a twofer for me in that, one, it was very bad acting, so it really stuck out to me. And then, two, from the minute Ralph is like, here's my plans on dating, I'm like, this is going to resolve with Cisco just being himself and everything working out. So, like, we could have just, like, I, that was a, all, every one of those scenes were a waste of time for me. 
I completely agree with you. It was almost like Cicada taught him how to act in all those scenes. Oh, my God. (laughs) And again, I want to make sure that I get his name because I hate just saying the big lunk-headed guy from uh, American (laughs) Pie, which you can go buy the box set at Walmart if you really want it. Check out to see how he's devolved as as an actor. A thespian. Yeah, Chris Klein uh, is the actor. He was bad last week when he was sharing scenes with Iris. He was dirt terrible in this episode. Oh my god. I've mm. never seen an actor this bad. Like on a like on a t- broadcast television show. A guy who's been in movies before. He is a horrible actor. I get what he's trying to do with this character. It's not working. Somebody needs to tell him to stop. Uh, see, I think they've, he's seen too many episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, and he's trying that, but it is not working. You're not a legend, pal. That's right. Maybe tomorrow. So, uh, they finally figure out the plan, they all work together, uh, and for the second episode in a row, Cicada ends up getting stabbed by his own dagger and then just flying away. Exactly. <laughs> Now, I'm I'm ragging on this episode a bit, but I did enjoy the episode. For an episode that had very little Barry in it, this was the second best episode this season that that didn't have Barry in it a bunch. (laughs) Right. So if we're we're going by Barry Light episodes, Barry Light, didn't he sing Let's Get It On? I was going to say, I think you're thinking of Barry, I think think you're thinking of Justin Gray's song. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Gustin Grant. Um, but yeah, I, I look at it as I'm the same way. I'm like, it was okay. I really liked, cause I'm not a fan of like, ah, shucks, excess. Um, but I did like where each time she'd come back and she was having a little bit more of a breakdown of like, why can't I go back further? And like, why can't I fix this? And she's like starting to break down each time. And I'm like, this is, this is actually kind of, kind of cool. And then they end up, they end up beating her as a team, beating Cicada as a team. So I'm like, it was, it was an okay episode. Uh, like I said, I think it, this, this season is just affected by how bad Cicada is as a villain. When you have Eobard floating around and the guy who plays, you know, like one of the greatest actors in the history of existence, you know, it's just, it's, it's apples and oranges, you know? But again, we'll I, I like the episode. This has been the strongest, I think, Nora episode that there's been. Yeah. And I think this episode also helped from, you know, not having Barry, but also having all of the other characters there. Right. Uh, Sans, Joe, and Cecile, even though Cecile was mentioned. And we saw mm-hmm. a picture of Joe. Well, doesn't doesn't, he, doesn't she somehow kill Cecile, too? But we see it off camera. We what? don't see it off camera. Cecile is killed off camera. Right, but Joe, Joe says the back, the actor says the 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 back injury. So I'll let that slide. You know? Right. And did you did we mention? Uh, yeah, you did mention that it was fifty two times that she tried this. Right. Yeah. I didn't mention it, but that's a number, Joe. That seems to be popular at DC. Mm-hmm. This would have been the episode for them to work in to further fuel the rumors and innuendo that she tried it twenty two times and then gives oh. like the knowing nod. And then they cut to a framed picture of Dan DiDio that was on her bedside. <laughs> what if Dan DiDio was Cicada? 
I I bet you would sound a little something like this. I'm not gonna do the impersonation. I can't. I anymore. would love for Dan D- Didio to be the villain in uh, Season of the Flash. More probably more Legends of Tomorrow, where they could give him a really good wig. Oh my god! <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe. Well, most of the fans think he's already the villain anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They'll never take me down. Oh, you cast him in one of these shows as he's the one that saves the multiverse or something. Oh, oh, to try I, to I, rehab his image. I'd like as the uh, he's the hand that was in the beginning of Crisis that forms the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dan Didio's hand. Oh, my God. My chest is hurting now. <laughs> I would watch the heck out of that. Oh, boy. All right. So again, we're ragging on a little bit, but this was a, I thought this was a fun episode of The Flash. It was okay. It was okay. It was good. Yeah. Uh, but we're off for two weeks for The Flash. Uh, nothing filling in, and I don't think uh, Legends comes back uh, till a little bit later on, right? Right. And then I know Cloak and Dagger Season 2 starts the first week of April. Right. And have we heard anything? We talked about it, but did we have anything on Krypton Season 2? I think it's summer. Okay, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, April 1st is when uh, Legends of Tomorrow comes back. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do on that episode. On well, the, on... We, talked, we talked about it way back then. That You know how the episode titles of these things? Right. Uh, you know, this, this episode of The Flash was titled Cause and Excess. Fantastic. Right. And they, and they have a bunch of... Uh, oh, now, see, <laughs> don't give it away. No, 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 I have to because we already mentioned it be- before. So they'll have uh, episodes of Legends of Tomorrow more so like it'll be here's an episode called Witch Hunt or here's an episode called Dancing Queen. But then here's an episode that's called Wet Hot American Bummer. Right. Or an episode that's called Hell No Dolly. Or the mid-season break that was called Legends of To-Meow-Meow. Right, which was fantastic. Okay. So the return episode for the season is called Lucha de Apuesta. Okay. Which is uh, vernacular in Lucha Libre for a mask versus hair or a hair versus hair match. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I don't know what wig is in Spanish, but... Again, I would assume that would be it. So as I'm looking at some of the other future episode titles, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have Seance and Sensibility. Fantastic. Nip Stuck. <laughs> My goodness. You know that TV show Nip Tuck that hasn't been on the air for 10 years? Yep. Here's a reference to that. And what possibly could be in the running for the greatest episode title of Legends of Tomorrow, Egg McGuffin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can Legends of Tomorrow come back now? I know, I know. If only if I had only... a wave rider so I can go to April 1st. And I hope there's some, like, April Fool's Day thing in that episode. What <sighs> if the rib of that episode uh, is they have really good wigs? <gasps> oh, my God. Or it's a Terrence and Philip episode. Uh-huh. It's an Angel and the Ape episode, or Stain as Monsters. Yes. Which I would watch. Oh. 
So is that everything? I think that's everything. We have a full show this week. We did wide-eyed conspiracy theories. We had uh, talked about everything else under the sun. It was a good show. Mm -hmm. All right. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 438 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. 